there's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for... Or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? Coming! And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card... Hey, this looks amazing. I'm so glad you made it. And travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. It's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. You are listening to the 23 Personnel Podcast, where food and sports clash at the goal line. Here are your hosts, Spencer and Michael. All right, what's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the 23 Personnel Podcast. I'm your host, Spencer, joined by Michael. Hello, everybody. We're, we're coming at you sort of live, watching the last 12 minutes of Tech versus OU right now, and it's, it's not looking great. It's not looking great, guys. Uh, Dude, McCuller just went up four-on-one in the lane and got... Slightly clobbered or stuffed at the rim? Stuffed. <laughs> like, and Beard's like screaming. I was like, dude, it's four on one. Go up strong. Or find somebody that's open. Four to one, though. That's, the, that's, that's, that's not, it. That's not what he means. That's what he's saying. He's saying four to one. He's like, coach, I got this. I know what you're saying. But yeah, uh, Tech's currently down 40, 42 to 31. And I'm sure we'll be updating this as we go. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure we're going to have a really... Um, hard time staying focused, <laughs> moving through our, our content quickly. We'll be fine. We got it. We got this. We're professionals. Especially when you miss shot after shot after shot. Bunnies. As, bunnies. As they say. Yeah. Don't want to miss bunnies. Um, you can find us on the Twitter, the show, at 23Personnel. You can follow me at Punts Suck. Getting more involved in the baseball action as it's coming up. And Michael at Michael underscore LBK. You can also find us on Instagram at 23 personnel podcast. And then the t-shirt store teespring.com slash store slash 23 personnel podcast. Yeah. You've got some hoodies up there. Some be good. good Men's and women's t-shirts. Good to wear a hoodie today. This is one of the days I hate living in Lubbock, by the way. Well, there's not very many, but today's one of them. The, the, that blue norther flew in this afternoon, and the wind chill was. It's not even like the cold the front, and that it's cold. <laughs> it's that it's like seventy mile per hour winds at yeah nine twenty five with p.m. with dirt in the air in February. It's it's just beautiful. Get, just get ready for several more days like this until at least May. May. <laughs> it's like one of those things where you open the door and it like flies out of your hand. Mm-hmm. Yep. You wake up in the morning. You've got piles of dust around your windows and your doors. I hope she doesn't mind me saying this. My wife was out in that wind so much today. She felt like she needed to wash her hair when she got home just so she could brush it or something. It just was just all over the place. Yeah. It's, it sucks. You know, sucks. Yes, I do. But go ahead. The university, Texas tech took 15 days to finally air quotes, respond to Duffy's title line allegations. And it's not really a response. no, it's a. It's not a response to That's that. That's a charge. It's just a response to an email that was released. That, um, yeah. So it, it, it's it's more of an open open records request 
than even Texas Tech coming out making a statement. Yeah, Sarah Self Walbrick, who's been on top of this at the AJ, and who we think has helped the Central Michigan paper do it. Totally, well, who knows? Totally speculation on our point, but oh, for sure. uh, that Michigan paper sure did have a lot of info very quickly, um, especially for probably like a twenty-year-old journalist journalism student. And then her her article was released right after that. Yeah, um, but <clears throat> Sarah does great work, and. I, you know, what she did was she just reported, hey, here's the email that uh, Kimberly Simone, I believe. I'm I'm unsure if I can read if there's a, yeah, it is. There's a, whatever that little accent mark is on an O. (laughs) I'm sorry, guys, (laughs) but it is Simone. So um, she wrote an email to Marcy Tyler and saying that she wanted to schedule a meeting with Kirby and Coach Wells to dis quote discuss some concerns we are seeing, and this was sent on April tenth, which was oh right about a month after the Title Nine allegations were filed, or maybe not a month, but it was a few weeks at least. And then, so the AJ posted this story, and basically all Tech did was respond to what that email meant. And they said that 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 the meeting in April was focused on a desire to enhance Title IX training for all of our student-athletes, which was accomplished in the months that followed. In order to protect all of our students, all Title IX investigations remain wholly independent of university departments and offices, including the athletic department, thus no specific investigatory... Investigatory? Mm-hmm. I'm so proud of you. Matters were discussed in the at-issue meeting, so... It's, right, it's, like a month after this comes up, the timeline office is like, hey, um, let's meet with the football coach and the athletic director. About some concerns. Concerns and Title IX training. Enha- a desire to enhance Title IX training. Yeah, so it it's interesting that this was the only thing that, that's so that Tech veiled. bothered to respond to during all of this stuff that's come up in the last month. Yeah, I don't. I don't know. It it feels like like this was a Friday night news dump. It was. That's right. It was about eight p.m. when last Friday when that came out. Yes, um, exactly so took right. A little over two weeks for them to, to to come out and say something about it. But um, they didn't even say anything about this case specifically. No, and they said, uh, you know, the the meeting that you saw requested from Title Nine with the football coach was not about anything specific. No, no. It it only comes a couple of weeks after one of the student athletes. Yeah, we we need to speak is, with is, you know, suspected alleged to be date raping women. Yeah. A, a a woman. Yeah, we need we need to speak to the AD and the head football coach just generally to, just to discuss a few things. Sure. Just a few things. Sure. Yeah, you know, Beard wasn't invited, Tadlock wasn't invited. Um you know, Kitley wasn't invited. You know, it's just, just strictly. They're they're just trying to hit a couple people at once, not to take up too many people's time. I guess. Yeah. The other thing that came out of this is that um, I, I don't know if you mentioned it in the, the first quote that uh, a timeline officer cannot notify any other department, the i.e. the athletic department, that a complaint has been filed. True. So that gives, like we discussed before that kind of gives tech the plausible deniability 
that anyone within the football building or even Hoka himself knew about any of this going on because of how Title IX runs investigations and how they do not notify anyone else, allegedly, supposedly, uh, about any said investigations. And it makes sense to an extent, um, but then it also, I'm not sure if it makes a ton of I, I don't know the background of Title IX employees and their in, investigation. Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte clear liners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you could pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Ah. The comfort of your favorite seat is now your comfy car-selling command center, thanks to Carvana. It doesn't get any better than this. Your favorite seat's the best spot in the house. Make it even better by entering your license plate or VIN and getting a real offer in minutes. There really is no place like home. And speaking of home, Carvana will pick up your car from yours after you finalize your offer. Visit Carvana.com or download the app and sell your car from your comfy place. Obligatory abilities. And if they, what kind of training they endure to to investigate sexual assault, uh, you know, who knows? So there's there's a lot of gray area there, too, that's just kind of up for uh, debate. But, yeah, I mean, it's kind of like what we thought. Tech has enough ammo on their side that, oh, well, yeah, we didn't know. We didn't know anything about it. Title IX doesn't ever, they don't talk to us, which sounds like that's possibly true. But... Still sounds shady as hell. <laughs> I don't know. We can talk about something else if you want. It, it just it, it, this this goes back in my mind, you know. Outside of that, that like, okay, maybe they didn't like they really didn't know, or they shouldn't have known about the Title Nine, but they should have known about the police report. That's what it always comes back to with me. And there, that was in May. That was a lot. And the, I mean, obviously, you get a notification of a police report long before they they you know come back with any findings or anything. I mean, I guess the the argument there is no charges were actually filed, and no arrests were made, or he wasn't brought in for questioning. Well, that I know of, anything like that, and just his mention but, of a okay. name on there. But it's still, but it goes back to if if you go back on the timeline and look at the Texas Tech Athletic Department side of this. And say the very first thing they heard about it was the Title IX office saying, we want to coach Wells, we want to talk to you specifically, and Kirby Hocutt, about enhancing Title IX training for student-athletes. A couple weeks later, you get a police report alleging one of your players has raped a woman. Hell, that's an, that's an easy connection to make. Like You don't have to have Title IX say, we're investigating Jet Duffy, he raped somebody. Yeah, you don't have to have. But when Tomlin comes to you and says, "Hey, we want to we want to train our your athletes about this," and then you get a police report saying one of your athletes raped somebody, one and one makes two, right? It 
You would think. But who's to say, you know, they probably never saw that. Probably never saw that uh, police report. There's no way that that ever got back to anyone at Texas Tech. There's just zero chance. No possibility. No, because, of course, Athletic Park wouldn't have any kind of feelers out there for no. police activity. No. No one in the police department follows the Red Raiders and or would say anything to anyone about one of the quarterbacks being accused of such an awful thing. <clears throat> of course not. No, of course not. No. Let's talk about better things. Let's talk about baseball. Left field, well struck, Desloni picks it up on a bounce. He's racing for second throw. Out in second. Young lifts it to right field, looking for a second home run, and he's got it into his own bullpen. Perhaps and some time because all the tools are there. Wow, this one launched deep left off the bat of Warren and into the bleachers. There he goes. And the pitch is driven high, deep to right. First end to the wall. Off the top of the fence. Here comes the big foul. Cameron Warren's going to motor home from first. Throw the third is late. And the Red Raiders have reclaimed the lead. Popped up. Trevor Bowie. All right, Michael. There were some baseball games played between our last recording and today, right now, against some uh, against a pretty good competition. Yeah, better than just pretty good. Better than Houston Baptist in Northern Colorado. Yeah, you know, not not throwing shade to oh. those to those programs. I'll throw it. Okay, yeah, go ahead and throw some shade. Combined thirty wins last year. <laughs> T- Texas Tech will hit thirty wins before May. You heard it here first, folks. Folks. folks, hashtag folks. Um, so they played in the Round Rock Classic down in Round Rock, Texas. Obviously, <laughs> makes sense. Sorry, I, I I was getting that confused with. I thought I I keep thinking that Dell Diamond is in the name somewhere, which is the field they played at in Round Rock, but no. Round Rock Classic played at Dell Diamond, but Texas Tech was part of four teams in that field. Other three were Tennessee, Stanford, and Houston. Stanford um, was pretty highly ranked, I think, the top 15 going into that game. But I, at the time, I think Stanford was like one in five, one in four. They were one in four, I think. Yeah, one or four or five, yeah. If I had my, my book here, I could tell you. I, was, I know. I'm, I've been updating it. I want to see, see this book, the uh, scorekeeping book. Today's book was really interesting because the Southern uh, scorekeeping page was fairly sparse. Yep. There was a lot <laughs> of the ninth. There was a lot of ink on the Texas Tech side because of like the first three innings you scored twelve runs. And there was time when you batted around so it took up an extra column. It was a lot of fun. A yeah. lot of ink. But I'm going back and I'm I'm refilling it because I didn't keep I didn't keep the scorebook the f- live until today. But I'm going back and refilling previous games based off of Anyways, because I want to have it. Yeah, all. yeah. yeah. Um, anyways, so Friday night you played Tennessee, probably the best team you've played so far, even throughout the weekend. Uh, you got their their best starter Friday night. 
Um, you offensively. Well, their best available starter. Okay. Right? Because wasn't, wasn't Crochet, isn't he out? He didn't pitch because he had arm soreness. I'm maybe something like that. You Garrett. have to listen to Keith Patrick. I did. That's okay. why. That's why I think that. By the way, guys, if if I say anything at all <laughs> that that is slightly uh, helpful to this baseball conversation, it's because I listened to Dinger Derby yesterday while at work and took a few notes. And you should too. Everybody. You should listen to Dinger Derby. We'll 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 make sure you um, we'll get all his twitters and everything at the end of this. But um, he's he's probably like cringing when he listens to us talk baseball <laughs> especially me sorry keith um that was disgusting but yeah so, garrett crochet I, keith said he was one of their he's like a top 10 draft pick pitcher but he didn't pitch against tennessee okay so the, i mean against the, tech they were expecting him to play but yes okay. they thought he might but he had some arm soreness either way tech did not get to a very good start uh you gave up three runs in the bottom of the first inning um so you were behind three nothing real early um, weren't there some errors involved in that too? I'm sure there were to get that many runs. Yeah, I mean, three's not a lot, but it, it's enough where you're like, "What happened?" Yeah. <laughs> Again, I don't have my scorebook in front of me. I could tell I you. No, you could. Um, I did, I do know that Tech scored one run in in the third and fourth innings. Um, and Tennessee had also scored a run to get it with back to within two runs. It was four to two, and then. Tennessee scored another couple of runs in the sixth and seventh to get it to six two, and that's 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 all it went. That's how it went. Yeah, uh, Fulford was the only guy that had more than one hit for Tech. Braxton. Yeah, he he was the only one getting anything done at all in that. This is cold. The t- <laughs> this team doesn't like playing in the cold. They were they were a little rusty, knocking the, the rust off in the team. yeah in the opening day. Um, on a game that Tadlock would probably normally, well, you know, maybe we just won't play that one. Um, but this was, I don't think anyone's ready to jump off the bandwagon or anything. Tennessee's a pretty solid team. And no, because you came back on Saturday and you whipped a top 15 team, that's 72. Right. That's right. And Stanford. Um, Bryce Bond and Micah Dallas combined for 15 strikeouts in this game. Only have six, only gave up six hits, one walk. Bonin notched a career high nine strikeouts. Oh my gosh! Um, Dallas, Micah Dallas has eleven strikeouts through the seven innings he's pitched this season. So he's getting up to what's that like one and a half strikeout per inning? It's hmm. pretty good. Um, Tech flipped the script from Friday night to Saturday. They scored the first, second, and fourth innings, and then dropped three more in the seventh. To yes. push it to seven. Um, and then Sunday was the real exciting game against Houston. Uh, Brian Klein had a walk-off single in the 10th. Now, the amazing thing about this Brian Klein, he was 0 for 12 on the weekend going into this 10th inning at bat. 0 I, for 12. I listened to enough of the game where, where Gus kept trying to do like a reverse jinx. <laughs> on the radio uh, to, to get him out of his slump. And I, I know the first time he tried it, I think he was 0 for 8, <laughs> which would have been <laughs> coming the, up to the plate. Like, like his first of, at bat maybe yeah, the of the day. Game, yeah, because yeah. he was 0 for 4 in both Tennessee and Stanford and then went 0 for 4 to start the Houston game. Yeah. Um, but then comes through in the 10th with a single. His one hit. It was 1 for 13 on the weekend. Um, 
How we got there, though. I know. Uh, this is really interesting. Go ahead. In the exciting. 10th, so Drew Baker uh, leads off, and he singles. Um, Jace Young fouls out. Stillwell strikes out. So you've got a runner on first. Your you're go-ahead runner on first in the 10th, but you're down to two outs already. Mm-hmm. Baker then steals second. Um, Houston decides to intentionally rock, walk Braxton Fulford to get the, the force out back on. The only consistent guy in the weekend, basically, uh, at, at the plate. And because they knew Klein was coming. <laughs> and then they, because like one, it, it gets the force out, it takes Fulford's bat out of it and says, okay, we're going to go after the guy that's 0 for 12, then the consistent bat. I wonder if that was just like a mental, if, if, if BK thought, okay, all right. Watch this. Yeah. Okay. You're 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 going to intentionally walk Fulford just so you can get the quote unquote easy out. All right. Okay. And then he slaps a single through, uh, past the second baseman. Drew Baker goes screaming around. Uh, there's a shot or one of the highlight videos from the third baseline. It shows uh, J. Bob just like swinging his arms, sending Baker. Um, the throw to the plate was a little bit late. Uh, Baker scored easily, I think, but there there was a play there. Uh, and then everybody mobs Brian Klein out there in a shallow right field. Yeah, I think there was a little. Wasn't there a little drama on with Noisy on the first baseline? Yes, yeah, so it was Noisy. A few innings earlier. No, no, it was it was it was Baker and Bonin. Bonin first kind of waved as he was running past back towards the Houston dugout. And I think it was Baker. Well, I'm I'm. I'm not sure because well Baker was on base every at bat, so that's that's possible. Yeah. <laughs> but he's like they were making very uh, large motions back to the <laughs> large motions. I don't know how to how to say that. They're like exaggerated gestures. Right, let's just watch the video. I don't know why that cracked me you, up. You so know much. what I'm talking about. Um, <laughs> Defensively, Austin Becker started on the mound. Four innings, three hits, two runs, two Ks, three walks. Um, out of anybody, he gave up the most walks. This is back in the Houston game. And then you had uh, Dobbins pitched an inning. Brustowski pitched two innings. And in his two innings, he struck out four. So four of the six batters he's – so four of the six <laughs> batters – sorry, four of the six outs um, he struck out. He did give up zero hits, so he, he only faced six. Um, sublet through for two innings, had five strikeouts. So out of his six outs, five of them were strikeouts. And then Andrew Devine comes in in the 10th and records two more strikeouts. So you Hot had, bullpen. yeah, you had, what is that? Uh, 11 strikeouts, 12 strikeouts from the bullpen alone in that game. Um, the other thing to, to note, obviously, you go through four relievers on Sunday. No pitcher appeared twice on the weekend. So depth and your bullpen was a big contributing factor um, that you didn't have to rely on, on rolling somebody back out there after Friday because Houston did. Houston was reusing p- pitchers on Sunday that pitched on Friday. Wow, really? Mm-hmm. Um, on the weekend... The bullpen, I, yeah, these are great. So th- th- this is not my stat. This is Keith's stat. Yes, <laughs> uh, the bullpen went that they threw fourteen innings, only gave up eight hits, two runs, but this strikeout to walk ratio is better than seven to one. Twenty-two strikeouts to three walks. 
And and he was saying, um, Keith also mentioned that the the relief pitchers coming in against Houston, I think every one of them was hitting ninety four plus. They they were throwing it, and and I could they were throwing cheddar. <laughs> they were throwing ched, <laughs> throwing ched. But it was, uh, I, I've, it kind of just makes you smile to think about the the pitching that that this team has available to them, and because that's just so crucial and it's so huge. And to well, to go through two week seven games, I mean a four game series and a three game series where you didn't reuse a pitcher, um, in either of those series, mm-hmm. and they pitched that well too. I don't know. I, I'm I'm pretty I'm pretty impressed with that. I think that's kind of the story so far of of, of the year. And and, and you, you see some of the guys with with these shorter outings too, like Dobbins and Divine, like where they only throw one inning. You're right. Like, well, but they gave up one hit or no hits or or the first weekend when Brustowski only's in there for two thirds of an inning. Well, his two thirds were eight pitches and two strikeouts. I think McMillan and came in Mc, and gets one batter, right? McMillan came in and gets one third of an inning on one pitch. And that's, yeah. then he's replaced. Then he's been- <laughs> so the, the guys that are going on, you know, very few innings pitched, they're not being pulled because they're, they've given up a whole bunch. No, very few pitches pitched too, because mm-hmm. they did their job and that was it. Yep. And then today, writers play this afternoon versus the Southern university of Baton Rouge, the Jaguars. They won thirteen to two, yeah, and it was thirteen nothing till the ninth, right? Yeah, the, the the Red Raiders put up twelve runs in the first three innings. They scored three in the first, second, and then six in the third. Um, but okay, so I I I noted this on on our Slack chat and like immediately came true, and I was like, yes. <laughs> so the Southern starting pitcher. His fastball was only getting up in, into the mid eighties, and it was this was not like their Friday night. It was not their best guy, um, which there was some talk about saying, "Oh, you you may get like their best shot." You know, they they, they may pitch a little backwards to get you know a, a really good shot at Tech. If th- this can't be their best guy, <laughs> only hitting mid eighties on his fastball, and the wind was blowing out, like. It was the guys that were there. So Mike Gustafson on the call today said it was very reminiscent of the super regional game three against Oklahoma state. Mm-hmm. Where it's like, it's just a strange wind that doesn't like, it doesn't really blow this way normally, but it's blowing straight out. And it was, so I, I said, okay, the starting pitcher is throwing up mid eighties, fastballs, meatballs, wind, <laughs> winds blowing out. I said, prepare yourselves for bombs, hit send, turn my attention back to the game. Nate Romblast <laughs> hits another three-run home run, oh and he clears the center field monster. So it's 402 feet at that depth from home plate, and the wall is probably 18 feet high. Yeah, the ball goes over that wall. Well, and you called it. You totally saw this happening seconds before. Witness, I, I was there. I saw it happen too, or I heard it happen. Yeah, you read it. Um. On the flip side of that, though, Rombach, he starts the game off with that three-run home run and then proceeds to go 0 for 4 the rest of the game. Well, you know. With like three strikeouts. That's fine. <laughs> he's he's doing okay. Yeah, he, he's fine. He's, he's uh, I think Keith pointed out this afternoon, sits solely in second place for number of home runs hit in the country behind the guy from New Mexico State. Um, 
which I'm sure they just play in a really, really competitive league. Oh, I'd imagine. Um, Mason Montgomery got the start today, who is not a midweek starter talent. Like, if you're rolling a guy out like Mason Montgomery on a Tuesday, goes to show you the depth that you have Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Um, he goes a full five innings. I think he went five innings to be eligible for the win because <laughs> it was 13 to zero and there was no need for him to be in there. His pitch count was really low. I think he came out of the fifth or sixth inning. He came out of the fifth inning with like 60 pitches or 65 pitches. It was really low. Um, only gave up three hits, three walks, seven strikeouts. Um, the only trouble he got in was in the fourth inning. He gave up a double. Uh, it was pretty well hit into the left field corner. And it was interesting because all the outfielders were kind of shaded around to the right field because mm-hmm. the way the wind was blowing. So both left fielders were playing a little further shaded towards center field than they were straight up left. So anything that went into left field, they had a long way to go to. The ball gets hit into the left field corner. Um, who was out there today? Otremba's out there, and he's like booking it into the corner to get the throwback. Um Stops him at second. Uh, the next batter up, like, smokes a single, almost in the, not into the corner, but more into left field, back towards Otrimba. The runner from second is rounding third, going home. Otrimba guns him out at the plate. Woo. Like, into the wind, throws him out of the plate. Um, and on the broadcast, it looked like the ball was coming in, like, too slowly. It's like, oh, he's not going to make it. Like, he, he, the ball's the ball's not going to beat the runner. Um, and it, the view was obstructed enough because the play went to review. the The initial call in the field was that he was out. I I think there wasn't a, a good enough view to overturn it because I wasn't very confident that Braxton Fulford had made the tag. Mm-hmm. But you couldn't tell in the review what touched first the the glove on on the runner or this the runner's hand on the plate. He gets called out. <clears throat> and I think the very next pitch, the runner that's on first that hit the ball that sent the guy from second to home. You you, you hear me really confused. Look, okay, so. Okay, okay. Say, start over. So there's the batter that they hit the double yes. who then got thrown out at home. Yes. The batter behind the guy that hit the double hit the single that s- s- sent the guy home. Okay, so that guy's on first. Got you. He probably should have been at second, but he's on first. I think the very next pitch, he gets caught stealing because there's like a wild pitch or something and it hits the backstop. But the backstop at Denlaw Field is padded and the ball like rebounds right back to Fulford. He pops up, not even like there was a wild pitch, and throws him out at second, and he was out by a mile. Um Fulford's had that's good to hear because he's had some trouble getting it to second to to gun down a stolen base guy. So so wait a minute. So even with the wild pitch and all that, he was still so thrown out by a mile. He had a he, was, was this guy like as fast as me? I don't know. <laughs> so the trouble that Montgomery got himself in, he gave up a really big double that could have sparked some momentum offensively, followed up by a single. But the guy that hit the double is thrown out. At the plate, yep. the guy that hit the single is thrown out trying to steal trying second to steal. and ends the inning. And like you said, I'm not sure why he wasn't at second in the first place. He sh- probably should have been. He he, he should have the, gone. I mean, I guess I guess his thought was that Otremba could have th- made, made the play at second instead of to home. But 
once he saw that ball flying through the air to go home, he could have. Yeah. Made, well, I don't know. He may not be very fast. <laughs> if, if, if he got thrown out still trying to steal second off of a wild pitch. Maybe he was like, oh, I don't know if I can make that. But I could steal. Yep. Ugh. Um, Connor Queen came in uh, in relief of Mason Montgomery. This is his, his first appearance on the year. Um, he went two full innings, gave up only one hit, no runs, no walks, no strikeouts. He only threw 13 pitches in two full innings of work. Nine of those were strikes. So again, like solid day, like guys aren't going like extended appearances, but not because they're, they're struggling. Queen threw two innings on 13 pitches. That's, that's nuts. It's a, it's an efficient, it's an efficient group it's of Mr. pitchers, <laughs> Mr. Efficiency. And then Brandon Hendricks comes in. Uh, I, I say close out. This was not a close opportunity or a save. He throws the last two innings, gives up two hits, gives up two runs. There's a single and then a two-run home run, which blows the uh, the shutout in the ninth inning. Like That's okay. Uh, one walk, three strikeouts. So in his two innings, he struck out half the, half the, the guys he faced. Um, you get one more game against Southern tomorrow at 1. I'm actually going to this game. I saw that. My boss gave me her ticket. Which is interesting when like your boss gives you a ticket to a baseball game that's a day game. It's a free pass. <laughs> I guess I'm taking just, a half day just tomorrow. Just don't go to work, yeah. Um, so fo- following last weekend's games, uh, this is a little out of order, but following last week, last weekend's games, the ranking, rankings were updated. Texas Tech maintains their consensus top five ranking or however you want to say that baseball America has you as the highest of any of the, the ranking at number two. So you're no, no longer a number one, um, national college baseball writers association has you at three USA today has you at three college baseball, college baseball nation has you at three perfect game at four and D one baseball at five. So uh, top five at worst. Yeah. The lowest ranking you have is a five. Yeah. All right, the basketball game just ended, which we'll talk about here in a minute. Uh, Oklahoma wins 65-51. to 51. Yeah, and if you're listening to this, you probably already know that. but Of course you do. Not great. Um, and then the upcoming games besides Wednesday versus Southern, you're going to Tallahassee, Tallahassee, Florida. Take on Florida Atlantic Friday afternoon. Catch that on the Texas Tech Sports Network. And then you have two games against Florida State, a team you eliminated in Omaha. Saturday evening and Sunday afternoon. Both of those games are on the ACC Network Extra and probably Texas Tech Sports Network radio call. Yeah. So it may be on an ESPN streaming platform because I saw there was a basketball game. It may have been the Duke Wake Forest game um, that was on the ACC Network. But anyways, if... You want more in-depth baseball coverage than any of this. You definitely need to check out Keith Patrick and the Dinger Derby podcast on Twitter, Dinger underscore Derby, or Keith himself at Keith B. Patrick. And jump on the Instagram at TTU underscore Dinger Derby. Yeah, he had an episode that came out Monday recapping the Round Rock tournament and previewing 
Southern a little bit, and I think he's going to have another episode previewing the games in Tallahassee this weekend. Yeah, when doubt it. It looks like his his recording and release schedule, like I think he jumps on and records Sundays after this series is wrapped up to release Monday morning. Yeah. So you can get a Dinger Derby podcast episode in your feeds Monday mornings, um, and then occasionally probably throughout the midweek to get you ready for the weekend series. Um, last thing on baseball, Little League update. I got, yeah. I got to give you a Little League update. I wanted to know, how did practice go on this lovely day? Because y'all have practice on Tuesdays, right? Practice today was canceled. Oh, no. Because we have... Uh, because it was awful because outside. Of the weather. <laughs> I, I, was, I was trying to push through, but the hourly forecast changed enough throughout the day that it was going to get... The temperature was going to drop below our our threshold before we could have gotten any practice in really. So our, I don't know if it's the temperature or the, um, what do they call that? The, uh, wind chill, but it, that temperature threshold is 40 degrees. Oh, and yeah. most of the day it was like hovering in like 45. I was like, if it stays at 45, Right after work, we're going to be fine. We'll, we'll get a, the sun was out. We'll get a short practice in because nobody wants to be in this wind. And then I checked the hourly and it had dropped to 43. I was like, oh, no, it's getting close. And then a parent said, hey, you know, I don't really feel comfortable. It's like it'd be 41 degrees at 5 o'clock. It feels like 30. I'm not going to go. And I, I, I rechecked mine. I was like, yeah, it's supposed to hit actual air temp 40 by 6 p.m., and if we start practice at 5.30, like we may get 30 minutes in before it gets too cold. I was like, hey, you know what? Let's not practice tonight. <laughs> but anyways, last week, because I had, we had a little more, more forethought, we actually practiced inside on Thursday night. Um, and I actually came away really impressed with some of our, our, our batters, our hitters, especially Grayson. I was like, dude, you are crushing this. Uh, and then we have this little dude. Um, the one of the smallest guys on the team like has glasses, does not look athletic at all. Probably our best all around player. I was like, dude, you're going to surprise some people and I can't wait. That's great. But like he's small, he throws well, he catches well, he hits well, he runs fast and he gets it. I was like, dude, you're like, you're physically mature for your age, except for your height. I'm excited. That's really cool. Um, then there were a couple of players that looked like they had never picked up a baseball bat in their life. And I was like, oh, my dear. Like, hitting off a tee is going to be a struggle. Like, there's one player that when they would swing, they would basically bring the bat to the ball and then just push it off the tee. I was like, no, no, no. You have to swing. You have to hit the ball As and be like, push. I can't, I can't even – I know exactly – you're, you're, it's like a scoop. Like they, like, they were scooping it off the tee with the bat. Like like crossing it, yeah, something like it's, that. It's a very deliberate motion to bring the bat from their shoulder to the tee, and then they'd stop the bat and then push the the ball off the tee. I was like, <laughs> "All right, we got to work on this." And I'm out of time. Next, who's next? Because I, I I was working on on batting with the players one like one on one while they were doing other drills, and some of them like Grayson and this other kid that I mentioned that was really good flew through their time with me. Like I, I only had a certain number of balls. I, I let them hit. 
there was no like, like okay, these guys got let's it. Try that again. Let's <laughs> do that. I was like, okay, you guys are fine. Y'all, y'all are good. And there was one kid that was so like distracted, like he chased the ball down. I was like, dude, you're hitting it into a net. Like, just let it go. And then he like run it back and bring it to me. And then it's standing like on the wrong side of the tee. I was like, dude, you were just on the other side of the tee. What? Do you not remember where you just were? It was. It's. It's tee ball, really. Let's just. Let's be honest. Um, so I, I, I came away both impressed and concerned. That seems to be the, the pattern and, of probably just being a coach of anything. And Grayson asked me tonight, actually, he's like, dad, when are we going to practice playing a game? I was like, but we got to get so much better before we can actually scrimmage, <laughs> which, which is what he was asking about. Like he wants to get out there and, and have players hit a baseball into the field and run and like all that kind of stuff I was like we're not we're not ready for that <laughs> no, no no come on come on dad just set it up well because we, we'll be fine we've tried teaching like um fundamentals by doing kickball and it's oh that's right it's not working it's like this is supposed to be fun and easy and you're supposed to have already learned this like when did i learn kickball obviously older than the kindergartner yeah me too so I was like, this is not working. Yeah, I, I was so excited about that kickball idea. I thought it's it's a good idea, but it is it just kind of complicates things a little bit, or it could if you don't really understand the rules anyway. But it seems like a an easy way to explain them. It's it's low risk, like there's low threat. You're not gonna get hit with a baseball. Yeah, yeah. It's a lot easier to kick a kickball than hit a baseball. It's easier to corral a kickball, you, you know. Oh, but nobody could field a kickball. <laughs> And I was like, oh theoretically, it's easier. <laughs> this is not that hard. Anyways, all right. Um, with that and with the basketball game just ending, let's go ahead and jump into basketball. Here comes Stevenson. Spins. Oh! And he's stuck back by the Ooh. freshman sensation Smith. Pass over the top of Cormick and a crowd stripped by Owens. Ready on the run. Bounce pass. Here's Culver. with a crossover and the lob to Owens. Now the shot clock is at three. Mooney spins, fires. Oh, he got it to go. Edwards with a three. Good. What a shot, Kyler Edwards. Ready double into Tariq. Oh, and puts it down. Already. Odiasi throws it in. Shot clock down to five. Got the screen. Here's a three. Separation. Oh, big shot. Woo! Stepping up big time. Dagger. Culver with the dish. Odiasse. And one. He can tie it at the line. That's it. There's a new member of the Final Four Club. And they hail from Lubbock, Texas. So I know we talked about this before, and you may have pointed it out. But listen to those highlights. Reminds me of how many alley-oops and lobs and dunks we had. And how we just don't. That was this during year. that was during the tournament, even. Yeah, this was against like your best competition. This wasn't against UTEP or somebody. This was yeah, I, like this so was highlight reel the, tournament time. The highlights from that clip, like the first one, is that Zaire Smith three sixty alley oop against Stephen F Austin. That yeah. is the lowest level of competition of highlights in that. Everything else is either against Kansas when you get that Culver dunk early on in, in that reel. And then there's Keenan Evans versus Texas at home. Well, that wasn't a 
alley-oop dunk though. No, but the other ones, like it's Michigan, it's Gonzaga, it's Michigan State. Yeah. If Harlan's saying it, then it was pretty deep into the <laughs> into the tournament. And I was just like, where? Like we've got guys with size, but well, the offense is not just not in. Like it's not. One in. of them's ineligible to play, and one of them has a hurt foot too. But like Holyfield has size, but he's not. He's they not never, a dunker. No, they, he's he's like, not someone who seems to be. He doesn't play above the rim very much. I mean, and that's not a knock or anything. This just doesn't seem to be his game. McCullough is no shorter than Culver was. Like they were both listed at six six. Yeah, but Culver was his game was up and around up around the rim a lot. I mean, you're two. McCullough's like not probably your two best dunkers on the team are Shannon and Ramsey. And Shannon's only seems to come out from like a like a steal. And oh gosh! And then look out, <laughs> and then it's like great Ramsey. Like it doesn't seem like it doesn't seem to happen very often. It, it, it like I said, it just the offensive scoring is different, way different, way different this year than the last two or three. Yeah. Speaking about that though, really quickly, um, Beard like it has. You know, okay, so everybody talks about the defense and, you know, Mark Adams and the the donut defense, I think you, you termed it. Um, but the the motion offense that Beard likes to run has produced this season four of the top eight most efficient field goal shooters in the conference. No other team, like, no other team has two in there. You have four. And it's Holyfield at number two, Moretti at number four, Edwards at number six, and Ramsey at number eight. So. Well, it's unfortunate that you bring that up. (laughs) Because tonight was like the most inefficient (laughs) shooting that Tech has probably had in a while. I mean, and I I guess it's like regression to the mean, especially considering Saturday night when you shot like 90% from the field. It felt like you couldn't miss. Like when you beat a, a Big Twelve road team, sorry, a Big Twelve team on the road by thirty points. Yeah, like things were going well for you. Um, but before we get there, let's go back and talk about Kansas State from last Wednesday. Um, you have a seven-point victory. It was close throughout most of the game because Kansas State does a really good job on the defensive side of the ball to slow things down. They're really good at just disrupting offensive flow. The thing that I think most people will remember from this game is Cartier Jara. Um, there was a sequence there where he steals the ball. There's a pass that went to Moretti, but like he wasn't ready for it or something. It went over his head. He bobbled it. Jara picked it up, ran out, and had a TJ Shannon-esque dunk opportunity. And he went for, I guess, his move is a big windmill dunk. Yeah. He was a little too strong and clanked it hard off the back rim. Ball fires back out. Tech collects the rebound, runs back downfield, finds Moretti again. So Jara is back, trying to come back on defense to cover Moretti. Moretti hits an open three. Weber calls timeout. <laughs> Weber calls a timeout. It's beautiful. Um, it was, it's a, it's just a, 
it's a classic timeless sequence of, yeah, maybe don't do that. I, I saw on Twitter. Uh, well, here's the thing: like, what what else would you do? Like in Jar's position, like you're you're open. Just dunk this it, is, right? This is what you're. This is what you do. Like you have an open lane to the like you you, you take a dunk. Maybe it's, don't windmill it. <laughs> I mean, like, that, here's the thing: like if that's his move, that like I kind of understand that. Yeah, because we did see Zach, Zach Smith. I remember two windmills, and they were just brutal. <laughs> They were like, he, and he this had, would have been like a big momentum swing for them. He had barely crossed the free throw line and took off and just windmilled it home. Uh, I forgot it. One of them was against some poor non-con that he just defaced, and I can't remember who it was against defaced. someone else. But it, Shannon had one like that too, where he leapt <clears throat> from like maybe a step inside the free throw line on one of those steals. Yeah, and, yeah. and like there's a picture of it where you're like, there's no way he made that. But no, he dunks that. <laughs> but yeah, Jara goes for this windmill dunk, misses, and then Moretti drains a three, who is Jara's defensive responsibility. Bruce Weber calls a timeout. Yeah, and like you said, at that point, was the game was within five or yeah. It, so th- that was a five point swing, but like the lead never got more than I think eleven or twelve, maybe the largest lead. Yes, but it definitely didn't end that way. It was close the whole game. And then the other thing with Cartier, uh, there was a a very public interaction between Bruce Weber and Jara and the broadcast. I think we're saying that, that Weber was getting on to Jara about his shot selection. Um, but Jara was like mouthing off and like yelling back at Weber, um, potentially cursed at him. Weber doesn't, like get frustrated at Jara, but he picks up a stool and throws it down on the court. Oh, I didn't like, see like spikes a, a stool into the court. Yeah. I, I I saw that you mentioned that he got reprimanded and was that why? No, what he, what he got reprimanded for. So the big 12 announced Monday, a public reprimand for Kansas state head coach Bruce Weber, because he made a comment about officiating in the post game press conference. Oh. And what he said, I think most people would agree with. He said, we need to figure out what a charge and a block is. That's, that's kind of fair. <laughs> I was like, okay. As, as a, <laughs> as, as a fan of a team who loves to take a charge. And I, I would, I would assume that there's a player on our team that has a flair for the dramatic that a lot of people probably don't like. Yeah. Like any time. Might that, be Italian. Anytime that, that, that Italian gets bumped, his head's thrown back. Oh, man. And I'm I mean, sure it's, it's like a car wreck. I'm Poor sure. kid. I feel for him every time. I mean, I, I don't know how he's not in a neck brace. He probably wears a neck brace between the games. <laughs> he's got to. Cortisone um, shot. <laughs> and I'm sure fans of other teams absolutely hate to see it. Oh, yeah. But you hate to see it. Part of what Chris Beard coaches is to take charges. And it's one of those things in basketball, like as an observer, as someone that hasn't been trained as a, in, as a referee, which I, I would assume that a lot of us haven't been. What is a charge? What is a block? What is a catch? <laughs> it's very muddy, right? Yes. Um, but you get a coach that probably knows it as well as, or, or better than a lot of us. Um, makes a statement says we need to figure out what a block and a charge is. 
after playing a team that is notorious for trying to get defensive, you're sorry. It's trying on the defensive side to take charges. Yeah, it's it's very much part of Texas Tech's game plan, and and I struggle watching it because there's t- sometimes where it's just like, guys, get off the floor, play play defense, don't just fall down. But it's it's part of the game, and it, it's part of their strategy, and it, and it's paid off a lot more than it hasn't. Um, but I, I think it's a valid point to make because there are times that. I've seen I've seen our guys that they are just completely shuffling their feet over and somehow they get that call. Well, there's one they're like diving in front of people and sometimes they'll get that call, but not always. Um, well, see, and then you and I disagreed on that because there's a call tonight wherein I it looked like to me Nadolny was racing into the lane to get in front of somebody and then got trucked and 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 OU player was called for a charge. Yeah. Well, I looked up when I looked up and it happened. It looked like he was. Like I missed that part. I missed the part of him racing in there. But then on the replay, he so clearly like dove outside of the circle and jumped and jump stopped right in front of somebody. And yeah, got the call. Yeah. So um, it's it's kind of it's tricky. Um, you know, I'm surprised Tech gets as many calls as they do. I, I really am. It it seems like a lot of that stuff could. If they just wanted to not call it one game, they could just almost decide, you know what, if if we're going to call a charge, it's going to be pretty obvious, and sorry about you, but so, clean yourself up, Benson, and get, get back in the game. So the, the, this is the video of, of the Jara-Weber interaction. Okay. So if you hit play, you, you'll see Weber's talking to Jara. You, you missed the play. Button. Of course I did. I'm terrible at phones. Jara's chirping back at him. Weber yeah. doesn't like like right here. If you look at him, oh my gosh! Oh, I, then I you messed closed, it up. I you closed the window. I wrecked it. Don't touch the things. This is the worst. This, this is, is really good pod. Great podcasting. Okay, great podcasting. So he's screaming back at Weber. Weber looks down, picks up a stool, Ooh. spikes it into the court. Hey, come on, Bruce. That's our court. <laughs> it's our court, right? United's going to be very upset about this. <laughs> but no, that that's not what he was what he was reprimanded for. Um, the the foul discrepancy wasn't crazy. I, I mean, it was in text. Actually, it wasn't. Uh, <laughs> yeah, no, it was. Sorry, it was in text favor. Kansas State was called for twenty one fouls. Uh, Tech was called for sixteen. So that, but you know, five foul discrepancy. That's not crazy. But he has a point. I, I can see him having that point. And then, of course, I can see the Big Twelve. Oh yeah, we uh, we cannot let anybody say anything uh, against the officiating uh, of the. Uh, <laughs> We've well, it was the integrity of the league. Whatever his name is that runs the the Bullsby. Yes, sounds sure. Because I keep thinking back to the Luck, who was before Bullsby. I keep thinking of BB. That's how far. <laughs> <laughs> that's, oh my gosh, BB was such a joke. That, that's Anyways, how. That's how far out of it I am. The statement from Bullsby says, you know, it, it's the same statement we got when when we saw that Kirby Hocutt was fined and reprimanded. Although he had a fine because he like he called he made very specific claims about mistakes being made. Sure. Whereas Weber's like, we need to fix this. Or just figure out what it, <laughs> do we need, do we need to have figure a seminar? Figure it out. <laughs> figure it um, out. But it, it was the, the same language is like, you know, we're issuing a public reprimand for Bruce Weber. There are channels to address this. You, you broke the league's sportsmanship 
policy or whatever. It's real it's stupid. You, and you broke the league. All right. Anyways. You broke my boy. You win Wednesday night versus the Wildcats. Move on to a road trip, a dangerous road trip, I think, into Ames. Although Iowa State was without their best player, Tyrese Halliburton. Um, and you drop 87 points in regulation, <laughs> which is not like you don't usually score more than 75. You scored 51 in the first half, which is a lot. Solid. Uh, only 36 in the second half, only. But Jemias Ramsey went off for 25 points. Edwards had 19. Holyfield had 10. Um, Moretti had nine. Like, everybody was really efficient. The team in the first half shot 72% from the field, cooled off to only 45% from the field in the second half. Well, shoot, Ramsey was, he finished 11 for 22. He was 50%. Edwards finished 7 for 10. He was 70% from the field on the night. Mm -hmm. And he was 50% from the the three-point line. Ramsey was 40%. Um, Savrasov hit a three, a big arcing rainbow of a shot. It was beautiful. Yeah, he does. He's he's growing on me. He's growing <laughs> on me. Let, let, let the man shoot some threes. I'm okay with it. TJ Shannon jacked up a three. He missed. Holyfield missed his only three attempt. But Holyfield was three of four. Moretti was three of six. Shannon was three of six. Savrasov was two of two. Um, like I said, 45% from this, only, only 45% in the second half. For the game, Texas Tech shot fifty-seven percent from the field. Um, the one from one for eight from three in the second half really broke your three-point percentage here, when you only shoot twelve percent. But the first half, you shot sixty-three percent, so that dropped you down. You were six of sixteen for the game, so thirty-seven percent, um, and then you were nearly ninety percent from the free throw line. Yeah, I mean, and Tech had 10 steals. They were all over the place. Mm-hmm. They were picking pockets all night. Six blocks. Yeah, it was it was a very efficient game, and that's not to jump ahead, but I'm I'm kind of ready to get this rip this bandaid off. But that's that's what was so disappointing about tonight uh, to to see Tech dismantle Iowa State in front of a raucous home crowd by 30. And then just kind of lay an egg in an empty neutral site arena. Yeah, four four hours from from home. So I, you know, t- seeing them lose tonight uh, against OU at Chesapeake Arena, fifty one to sixty five. I mean, Tech never felt in it. That they got down early, and I, and that was it. I mean, I think they pulled with they pulled within ten. I think it was eight at one point in the second half, like yeah. five or six minutes to go, and you you pointed out to me. Yeah. I was like, mm. I think you were you're you're sharing some baseball inside, and I was pointing to the score like, oh hey <laughs> hey, and then no, yeah, that never turned out. Uh, and then I finished my point. Look, oh, we're down by sixteen. <laughs> <laughs> Which I, I don't know if that says more about me talking for so long or just how quickly that. Well, here's what I thought. I was concerned with. Um, I thought, man, every time I look over here. OU shooting free throws. You know, what the heck is going on? OU only shot 10 free throws all night. I so think you just saw all of them. I think I saw all of them and they were, they were at least eight of them were in the, in the second half in the last five minutes, second half got my West Texas coming out. But yeah, that was a, a really tough watch. I mean, no one really played well. McCuller was six for 17. 
Our dude shot 17 times. He was one for eight at one point, I think. Our guy Ramsey, 0 for eight. He had zero points on the night. 0 for three from three point. And and those weren't all three-point shots. Like, he had layups he missed. There were several layups. Um, Bunnies. 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 Uh, (laughs) McCuller, he he got a few points towards the end of the the game to end with 13 total as a high point. But your second high point was Clark off the bench with 11. Who didn't play on Saturday for whatever reason. That's right. We didn't mention that, but he was – Coach's decision. He was benched for the entire game and – Healthy scratch. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm not sure. I, I just would love to know why, but I don't, I'm sure we'll never know we'll why. Never. <laughs> we will we'll never, never know. know why. We'll never know. I just would love to know. Yeah, so after tonight, you are now, Texas Tech is 16 and 10 or 19 and 10. I can't remember where we're at in the season. I can tell you. I can tell you. I can tell you real quick. Uh, 18 and 10. 18 and 10. Nine and six, yes, in Big Twelve. You're still squarely in third place. You have been eliminated from defending your your Big Twelve championship title. Although Baylor did lose this weekend, but they are just tied for first now with Kansas. Um, Texas has moved up into fourth place, uh, but you have another shot at them at home in Lubbock on Saturday. Saturday. Um, and then you get Kansas at home and Baylor on the road. Um, Not in that order, but yes. Sure. Um, so you that that streak that we were all kind of hoping for, that this run that Tech could have gone on, um, I think you sprinkled in three losses. <laughs> and we're like, yeah, Tech could win eight, like eight in a row until we get to Baylor. Or Kansas or whatever comes first. Three bad losses, too. Yeah, you got this one. Oklahoma, uh, o- Oklahoma State. State and Stillwater, which was, like, that was frustrating to watch. Just the... Just it's all, all the losses are, are frustrating, let's be honest. Of course they are. Um. Anyways, there are a couple I guess more. they weren't really... Th- there was just two. Because you... But they were so bad, they were... They were yeah, they counted. They felt like more than that. Which is funny, because, like, the really big wins we had, like, versus TCU, where you beat them by 46, don't make up for the losses. No, not not at all. Although, looking at that, this is a stat that um, was kind of thrown out there on, on the Twitter. Over the past two seasons, Texas Tech has given a team either their worst loss at home ever or their worst Big 12 loss ever. Do tell. West Virginia and Kansas in 2019. Those were 26 and 29 points, respectively. Um, and then Oklahoma State was a 35-point loss this season. TCU was 46. Iowa State was 30. You've done that in the past two seasons where you've put out career-high or lows, depending on which side of the game yeah, you're yeah, on. Yeah, that's true. Um Results. Good night. Keep keep it up. Including a game against Kansas. You beat them by 29 last year. It was so glorious watching that game. It was so much fun. Very much like when you beat TC by 46. Although you not, just, It wasn't as... Well, didn't the, feel The same strong. kind of offensive float. You just didn't have the opponent. Right, right. And then Iowa State by 30 this past weekend. Which is their worst loss in their home court ever 
it used to be versus Kansas in 2003, which is 29 points. You beat that. They lost to Kansas by 26 this season. Obviously, you beat that. Um, That's what's so frustrating about this team, and I know everyone thinks the same thing and has probably said it, that just to see those so kinds of games. Yeah, and then be on the com- almost complete opposite side of it. To lose by 14 to... To OU. not even like the best team in the conference. Like It would almost be understandable and more acceptable if you beat a team like Iowa State by 30 and then come back to play a Baylor or a Kansas in a halfway neutral site and then lose in the way you did tonight. Yeah, or, or West Virginia, you know. But no, it's Oklahoma. Yeah. Who's probably until tonight on the bubble. They had lost three games going into this. I think they were... They may be a 12 seed, depending on how they ran out right of the season. I think their net ranking is in the 50s, whereas yours was like 15. Um, not a good loss. Like this is going to hurt your your resume, which is I, I think a lot of people are. There was this one guy who's a self-proclaimed bracketologist that got involved with some tech fans this this week. That was talking about how. He just didn't see why everybody was overvaluing tech, and he's probably going to point to this game and like refire up all these these arguments and start. Well, especially right after tech jumped back into the rankings again at twenty two, you know they fell out last week after losing in Stillwater, and then now they're back in. It's just it it seems because they got right back in it before they went to Stillwater. I, I don't know. Dan's theory is that they play better when they're not ranked and I think I think he's right it, that also come like you also like come back into the rankings before a road game <laughs> that's true but anyway. then you beat the snot out of somebody in at the Hilton at the Hilton yeah like it's one of the toughest places to play in the whole you, league you won there last year but you also won it like you didn't win by 30 <laughs> no and you also had much higher stakes you were playing for a conference championship that day right and it was senior night they were booing you. Yeah, because you were still on the court celebrating while they were supposed to do. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. Yeah, it's great. All right, so looking at this is something else that I saw, um, and I can't remember. I think it's a it's a Kansas State fan that that compiles this. He, he does a lot of stat tracking too. Looking at the current Big Twelve coaches, Big Twelve records by win percentage. Number one is not really a surprise. Bill Self at nearly eighty two percent. Number two though. If you hadn't seen this list, who would you have guessed? Because hmm. I probably would have gone with I like probably would have gone with Huggins, Huggins or Weber. Yeah, but it's Chris Beard at almost fifty nine percent. Huggins is at third at fifty five. Weber is the only other Big Twelve coach with a winning career Big Twelve record at just under fifty one percent. That's it, just barely, barely. Mon Kruger. Point four, 49%. Scott Drew, I think, is a surprise, especially after this season, because this season's stats are helping this number. Big time. At 48%. Prom, Prom, whatever his name is, 45%. Everybody's favorite Longhorn, Shaka Smart, 42%. Jamie Dixon, forty, just under 42%. And then, surprisingly, not on the hot seat, Boynton. At Oklahoma State at 34%. I think they just really like him. Or they just believe it. I, I, or they're waiting I for that big recruit to come next next year. Is like he has like a really bad season 
until like last couple of weeks, and he wins enough games. Like, oh, there's momentum. Like, we're making progress. Yeah, yeah. And then next were, year, like 2019, like they were like 0 for 11 to start the season. Basically, the Kingsbury method. It was the exact, almost the exact same start that they had this season. They started with a really terrible losing streak, and now they put enough wins together. Like, eh, Mike Boyne's not that bad, and he's got the number one recruit in the country coming in next year. We're fine. Shaka Smart, though, I think is funny at number eight. Just the arrogance of the Longhorns paying what they're paying him to have the eighth best coach in the conference. Well, with the the amount of money they just funnel into that program, too. And I'm sure they'll look up a beard and be like, we got him. Like, no, no, you don't. Yeah, He's there was a – I wish I could – I'm just spouting off here, but there was some article – I think it was in the either the Austin American statement or something like that, where it's basically said, "Guys, we need y'all just need to give up on it. Beard's not coming. Even if he did, we no, we'd I have mean, to pay like thirty million dollars to get him, and then we'd have to pay Smart off too, and then it would just be like, no. It's, and then you would pay a salary <laughs> yeah. to a program that this past weekend, minutes before tip off, looked like there was like a dozen people in the arena." On Maybe. a Saturday afternoon basketball game. Yeah. <laughs> like they were like, look, here's a student section. And it was nothing but like the t-shirts that had draped over the, for all the students that were coming that didn't show up. Well, they just knew they, they wanted to see what the score was at halftime before they waddled over there. Check it out. Yeah. All right. One other stat before we move on to your questions. This, this was compiled by um, a Twitter handle bullies of Broadway. He's a, a Texas tech fan. There's some really great statistical analysis. It's a great follow. Um, he looks at the Big 12 in its current alignment, so starting back in 2013, and says in the first 45 series, so basketball series where you play you know, each team twice in a year, um, the first 45 of those Big 12 series, Tech has only swept a team in a season four times. Three of them were against TCU. And in that same span, Tech had been on the opposite side, had been swept by a team, 22 of those series. Yee. Now, the last 23 series, it may be like picking the past two or three years, two years. Um, Tech hasn't been swept and has 11 sweeps of their own. That's a good turnaround. It's quite the turnaround. All right. And then um, we've already kind of discussed our upcoming games, but you've got Texas on Saturday. And then you've got Baylor on Monday in Waco. That's right. 8 p.m. on ESPN. That's the big Monday game, I guess, right? Yes, but Baylor is beatable. Their their 23-game <laughs> win streak was snapped Because they lost one game to Kansas. And it was like a three-point game. They are technically beatable. You are correct. Uh, and then, of course, after that will be the following Saturday here in Lubbock versus number one Kansas at 1 p.m. on ESPN. We'll see how that goes. We've got a rough little stretch here, guys. I mean, I think I will actually be at the game Saturday at 11 against UT. I'm really looking forward to it and uh, hope they come out firing. I think they will. That UT game last season, one, one was the uh, – it was senior night, but it was a lot of fun. Well, and it could be senior Let's night. Well, no, I guess, I guess it would be against Kansas this time. But anyway, it's <laughs> – you know, I, I only picked two or three – games to go to each year just because of child care and figuring all that stuff out because we both like to go um 
and our three-year-old doesn't quite get it yet. So someday, not, Michael? someday, someday we'll get her <laughs> to the point. I think she will really like it though. But um, we, this was the one that I picked too for our for our last one, and it's on Leap Day, which is kind of fun. Yeah, it only comes out every, every four few years. <laughs> there you go. All right, let's get to your questions. Now, are these really the questions that I was called here to answer? Who's in the box? Oh, what's in the box? I'm Ron Burgundy. Damn it, who typed a question mark on the teleprompter? You want answers? I think I'm entitled. You want answers? I want the truth. You can't handle the truth. We can't handle the truth. I don't think we have any questions, Spencer. Do you have any questions for me? Um, you want to ask me how my day was? I I really should have checked Twitter before I hit that. <laughs> that I'm so sorry. I was trying to kind of wave you off. <laughs> nope. Well, I think everyone was just so 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 dumbstruck from the. Yeah, that, the fourteen point loss and they probably like you know what for Oklahoma City. It, it's a late game. We we crap the bed. I'm going to bed. Yeah, I'm going to sleep too. I'm tired. So yeah, um, no no questions, guys. What what the heck? We're over here. We're sweating. Just slaving away, giving you all this free podcast. I'm just kidding. I'm not that guy. Anyway, <laughs> we did try to get some questions, but I don't think anybody came in. So. Onto what we learned, which is going to be just as riveting because I haven't thought of anything yet. (laughs) You know what I have learned, though, Michael? What? Is that games can be 10 times as exciting. Oh. If you put a little money on it. Good point. Yeah. If you join my bookie today, you have to visit mybookie.ag. They will double your first deposit up to $1,000. I'm I'm looking at you for for remembrance. Oh, okay, here. yeah, just, yeah. Just I because mean, of how much fun we have. No, yeah. Watching games like tonight, how much better would that have been, Michael, if there was a little bit of casholine? It's funny you mentioned because line. in our Slack chat, Kyle mentioned that the line had moved from Tech favored at minus four and a half to Tech favored at minus one and a half, and he said, and he said, you know, well, that just shows that Vegas sees the money coming in. They're like, okay. Vegas knows. Yeah, they know. So I was, I said, oh my gosh, I'd bet all y'all's money on tech at minus one and a half. And if I'd have done that, we still would have lost. If I would have done that and really wanted to support my team this season, I would have gone to mybookie.ag. I would have bet all y'all's money and I would have been able to double my first deposit. That's right. That's right. You can use promo code chair to activate this offer. That's promo code chair to double your cash. So, if if I borrowed all of the money from y'all's checking account and deposited it into my bookie, they would double it. Uh, visit mybookie.ag today. You play, you win, you get paid. You know what I learned, Michael? What did you learn? Besides playing with my bookie and doubling your cash, is that... It's 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 so strange. My 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 fandom is like I I love Texas Tech and I love Texas Tech basketball. 
But like baseball season, you're started. mildly obsessed over baseball. <laughs> baseball is here, and like I'm, I'm not as concerned with baseball or sorry with basketball because I see it as like, well, I just I don't see us having the the postseason success we had last year. But we've got like a a top five baseball. I'm gonna I'm gonna go watch them, and that that's realization that like one baseball was the sport I played the longest growing up, mm-hmm. but also that like, I'm kind of a fair weather fan. It's like, let's go watch the baseball team. Cause they're not losing by 15. Cause they're good. Cause they're good. I right mean, now. yes, that they lost to Tennessee, um, on Friday night and that's, Oh sure. Yeah. That's going to happen. You're going to lose games. Teams are going to lose. I mean, very, te- very few teams go like 50 and three in a season. You, Vanderbilt and Louisville and I, I think it's I think it would almost be more p- possible if you weren't playing series because people can kind of crack the code they can kind of figure it out in a series but even so it's still it's still a completely different kind of game but yeah I I can just tell that, that there's a gleam in your eye when you when it comes time to talk baseball and I just kind of sit back and <laughs> watch you watch you go for it. I love it, man. I love baseball. I, I love basketball. I love football. But like I said, baseball was my first and longest sport. I'm excited baseball's here. I'm happy for you, bro. You're happy for me. Um, also, I, I guess the other thing that I, I can mention that I learned, um, expectations for barbecue, probably a little too high. That's the yeah. That's an issue. We, bo- we both went to a barbecue place this week. This oh past yeah. Week. Okay, that may um, be what I learned. Perfect. Keep going. And to be to be fair, like the weather the previous night, so the day that the food was cooked may have had more to do with our experiences than anything else. But like, I went to a pretty popular barbecue restaurant on Friday for lunch. Um or whenever that was, and was like, this was pretty bland. Like, I, I I had I had some burn ends, I had some ribs, and I had some sausage. The sausage had the most flavor. <laughs> and it was good, but like the burn ends and the, and the, the ribs were like, this is barbecue texture, but like there's no flavor here. And then I, I tried to put with like their sauce they had on the table. I tried that. I was like, did not help. The the weird thing, the place I went, which is a kind of a little mom and pop place. They're still out of a trailer, and they're only open a couple of days a week. Which is interesting. How that like, like that Thursday and Saturday, I think. Which is strange. But but yeah, they like you said. Ooh, I went Thursday for lunch, and they, yes, it was Thursday. They cooked Wednesday night. There was a cold front that blew in. It was in the thirties. Much when, like it is today. It was in the 30s with the wind so, blowing during lunch on Thursday. Don't go to barbecue for lunch tomorrow. Yeah, maybe, Wednesday. maybe they're going to have trouble. Uh, but that said, I thought they they did fine with the brisket. But my favorite part was their... It's never good when your favorite part is the side. Like the, the potato salad was my favorite part, which was really delicious. Like See, kind of a baked potato salad. And I, I kind of had like a like the opposite reaction to side. Because I, I tried something new at this place for a side. And it was a baked potato casserole. Yeah. And I was expecting more of like a baked potato salad. And like the difference in temperature expectation, because I was expecting cold, even though it was a casserole and it came warm. Yeah. 
threw me off. <laughs> it was like, ima- imagine that. just eating like a warm potato salad. I did. It, here's, here's what I really did learn too. I'm kind of changing subjects, but not really. That's fine. I learned to be very careful when flipping sausages on a charcoal grill. I had some of that, some of that Koneka sausage. Mm-hmm. The Cajun flavor had some friends over on Saturday. Nope. Yes, it was Saturday. Did some sausages and some dogs. And uh, I'd, I'd pulled the dogs off, which is luckily because I think dinner might have been ruined because I wouldn't have been able to get them off in time. And I had the sausages on the side. Uh, you know, I had the charcoal in the middle and the sausages on the side just kind of heating up. And I thought, you know, I'm going to throw them over the coals just briefly to, you know, kind of char them a little bit because I didn't want to, to break the skin. I barely touch one of them and my tongs break the skin as I'm flipping it over <laughs> on top of the coals and the grease immediately starts dripping out. I'm like, Oh no, that's Dang it. fire. I can't believe it. Yeah. I can't believe I popped it. Oh man, that's annoying. And the fire just kept getting bigger and bigger and it was taller than me. <laughs> and I was like putting the lid on and one of my friends was over here and he, we were both just kind of like, trying to act like everything's cool it's fine <laughs> and then, it's I put, fine. then i was like okay, well luckily all the hot dogs were off so no one was going to go hungry and i thought i put the lid on i could still see flames like kicking up out of the little <laughs> the vent the vent <laughs> thought, oh gosh okay i just got to pull these off <laughs> and so i, I opened it up and the <laughs> <laughs> fire just i'm surprised my eyebrows are still here and um i just casually as casually as i could with my friend watching me like oh yeah i guess i'll just pull these off (laughs) (laughs) that's a much better story than bad barbecue (laughs) but it was one of those things and they were still very edible everything was fine but the um, house is still here yeah the house is still here but if those hot dogs had still been on there because we had like it was a it was a costco package so there were 12 hot dogs and and uh i had them all on there because we had they had kids over and stuff too, so there were like seven or eight of us with kids total. And if I hadn't pulled those off, those hot dogs would have been ruined. They they would have just been black as <laughs> night. Yeah, it would have burned up real quick. Yeah. All right, that's what I learned. Careful with grease. <laughs> grease Careful fires. with grease fires. That's bad news, man. All right, for Michael. I'm Spencer. That'll do it for us on this week of the 23 Personnel Podcast. Check the basketball games out on Saturday. Baseball series this weekend. We'll see you next week. Thank you for listening to the 23 Personnel Podcast and sharing our fandom for the Texas Tech Red Raiders. You can connect with us on Twitter at 23Personnel, Spencer at PuntSuck, and Michael at Michael underscore LBK. And find even more great content over on stakingtheplanes.com. Help us out by rating the show and leaving a review on iTunes and subscribe on whatever channel you listen to podcasts. Remember to tell your friends about the show. The guys will be back next week with another episode. And until then, guns up and let the tortillas fly.